Moments with Andy, the podcast. Brought to you by 100.3 and 102.7 The Point and The Night Show. My name is Andy. Thanks for spending a moment here with me. It is Monday, June 1st. So this past weekend was lucky enough to head down to Garberville on Friday. You may have heard about a pretty big meeting, uh, a stakeholders meeting that happened with U.S. Representative Jared Huffman, who brought along Lieutenant Governor Gavin Newsom, along with Assemblymember Jim Wood, to discuss in Garberville cannabis and eventual legalization of cannabis and, you know, sort of finding facts for regulation, hearing from the community. It's good. Humboldt County is a good place to come to if you want to discuss cannabis. And found it very interesting. A lot of elected officials, a lot of members of the community there, and also some environmental experts. Nice to have their opinion thrown in there. And there was one point, one thing that was mentioned by a member of the environmentalist community who made a good point, but there's one thing he said that kind of caught my ear. Now, he was talking about needing to be careful with certain outdoor grows that can have an effect on the environment, generally sometimes a bad effect if you're a bad actor. Okay, now that's a problem. Don't know how big of a problem it is, how many folks out there using bad practices, but he mentioned how a lot of pot growers are greedy. I can't remember if he said growing is greedy or some, you know, whatever, didn't qualify it. And to my ear, I agree with most of what he was saying, but he almost seemed to be making the point that greed is exclusive to the pot growing, the cannabis farming industry, which it of course is not. Now, I think one of the supervisors from Mendocino County maybe kind of rebuffed that point. And what it got me thinking about is greed. And we all know greed is not exclusive to any industry. It runs throughout human history. It's a thread that runs through any human economy that's basically out there. And was then reading from CNN.com. I, I don't want to get into it too much, but um, five banks... This is Citigroup, J.P. Morgan Chase, Barclays, the Royal Bank of Scotland, and I believe UBS are going to, I guess, they're pleading guilty to violating antitrust laws and other crimes, and UBS pleading guilty to manipulating the London Interbank offered rate. Now, we're not going to get into what it is, but together, the five banks are going to be paying $5.4 billion in fines for breaking laws for, can we say, being greedy. And again, as we know with banking, when you're dealing with money, it's not surprising that greed's going to be right around there. So let's just not pretend that pot growers are all greedy. Or let's at least not pretend that they're the only ones. You ding them, some of them, for being greedy. Sure, some of them are greedy. Some bankers are greedy. You look at any industry, greed is there. So we're not going to deal with the problem of greed by just labeling one group as greedy. And you know what? Like these banks, these huge banks, they're regulated. They have heavy regulations on them, and yet they're still greedy. And if you're then going to expect and hold to a higher standard pot growers, who for the most part are not regulated, and you're going to expect them, some of them, not to be greedy, well, then I think you are misunderstanding much of what makes us human, for better or for worse. I think we can all agree greed is not good, but let's also not pretend that it's specific to any one group of people. How do we deal with and try and control greed? Well, we have regulation. If you think the banks would be acting any better with no regulation, well, that's an interesting argument to make. I'd love to hear how you back that up. So, if you think some pot growers are greedy, I don't know how many, how few you might argue, but if you think the way to deal with that greed is to continue not having any regulation, 
Well, again, let me know how you work that out. Drop me a line, andy at kwpt.com. Was at a track meet for our daughter in Fortuna. Gosh, what is it, Monday? So this must have been Saturday. And with the track meets we've been to, that she's gone to, and some of the basketball games she's played a little earlier in the season, what has always kind of, can I say, caught my attention or maybe found a little amusing, being kind of new to going to sports events for the kids, uh, this is sort of their first year kind of getting into them, is not only seeing adult <laughs> adults shouting at children during sporting events, but, and and most of it is positive reinforcement. You know, there's very little shouting at kids in kind of a negative way, but shouting, you know, like, go Ricky, you, you know, run faster, jump higher, that kind of thing. And what I always find amusing, especially at bigger venues, this was at Fortuna High, out on the track. So much of the parents and folks up in the bleachers, hundreds of feet away from their children. Yet still, and I understand you get a little pumped up, you watch your kid, you get kind of excited, you want to kind of shout your kid's name, you know, run faster, you can do it. But at some point, I, you know, I start <laughs> looking around and you have to realize the kids can't hear you, especially when, you know, when hundreds of other parents are shouting at the same time, but they're just too far away. Am I saying we should have these sporting events be quiet and like golf events? No, that'd be super weird. And it is natural to kind of want to cheer on your kid. But some of the stuff I'll hear parents shout where it's almost like they're having full on conversations with their kids Again, especially when they're on the far side of the track, you know they're now almost, you know, almost like a quarter mile away from you. They can't hear what you're saying. They can hear noise from the crowd, but they they're not communicating with you. So here's what I propose: it'll be expensive. Nobody will want to do, but I think this would be very interesting. Is allow kids. I mean, you'd have to have a rule because I'm assuming at the, this point they can't have any. None of the kids had earbuds or headphones on, so they can't listen to music while they're doing these events, which is fine. But I think it'd be interesting let kids, if they want to, have a little Bluetooth headset on. That way their parents can actually talk to them during the event, and it would spare us from having to hear people just shouting behind you. Now, at some of these events I know, I've stood up, and I've blocked the view of some parents, which I didn't mean to do, and I apologize. And they're like, hey, can you sit down? I'm trying to watch my kid. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, of course. Sorry about that. You want to make the event more pleasurable for them as well. This way we wouldn't have to have people shouting into our ears behind us or next to us. So, I'm not saying everybody can afford it, but maybe if you are that intent on letting your child know that you want them to run faster or jump higher during these events, maybe let them have a Bluetooth and you can just call them up and you can just let them know quietly into their earpiece. Not surprising. We all know we're in a drought here in California. Us up here in Northern California, far luckier than many of our other Californians. But was reading here from Los Angeles Times, apparently Californians cut their water usage by just 3.6% in March, compared with the same period in 2013, which this piece mentions is far short of the governor's goal of a 25% reduction. As a result, communities will face more severe water restrictions, okay? So, basically, not that much of a water usage um, reduction from this past March, comparing that to two years ago. So, may have to cut back a little bit more. Have more severe water restrictions, they mentioned. Now, this is something we all have to face, and in general, I think it's always a good idea to try and conserve, um, whether it's when you're brushing your teeth, not letting the faucet run the whole time. I used to have a friend in um, 
uh, a roommate back in college who would do that all the time, no matter how much we'd get on his case. And there's, you know, ways throughout our life. Doing the dishes are different ways to conserve water. But this all kind of reminded me of... I'm, I'm pretty sure this was actually a thing. I hope I'm not just making this up, but I feel one of my uncles, back when he lived in Berkeley, when we were kids, we would visit. And again, maybe I'm making this up, but I feel like he had a sign by the, the toilet in the bathroom. And this is maybe something we unfortunately have to think about nowadays. I think it said, if it's yellow, it's mellow. If it's brown, flush it down. Well, no, I don't mean to have that a play on the words with uh, Governor Jerry Brown. But I'm just saying, perhaps, if it's yellow, well, maybe it is mellow. (laughs) Let me know. Andy at KWPT.com. This has been Moments with Andy, the podcast. Brought to you by 100.3 and 102.7 The Point and The Night Show. Like this podcast? Well, don't be ashamed. Be proud. Tell a friend or post a comment in the iTunes store. Every little bit of help, well, helps. Moments with Andy is made possible by a generous grant from the Horace P. and Nancy R. Shakey Foundation.